So welcome, everybody, to our Conversations with T.O.B., The Theology of the Body. Theology this is our third recording. We have some special guests. I'm Lori. I'm, fa- I'm not a guest, though. I'm Father Adam. No, no, no. Well, I'm going to introduce ourselves first, okay. just in case. There's some new listeners. I'm Lori. I'm Father Adam. I'm and Peyton is here. not here. She's... Peyton abbandoned us. Yeah, so <laughs> we're we missing Peyton her, today. So. But we have some special guests. We have Greg Palubin. Say hi, Greg. Hi, hey guys. How are you? And we have Joanne Mokers. Hello. Yeah, and so welcome back to our third recording. We talked a little bit the first time about just an introduction to ourselves. And I invite all of you listeners to do that with each other, kind of get to know your story, get to know each other a little bit more deeply. That's what Theology of the Body is all about, kind of getting to know ourselves. And then in our second recording, we talked a little bit about God's original plan, the way he made us, that original innocence, and Father Adam's four pages of notes. I, I, I only have a half page of notes this time. I was, I was good. I realized that there was a lot I was trying to talk. And even, I think our last episode was 25 minutes, and even that was nowhere near enough. Oh, but I heard people say, I didn't want it to end. Oh, that's good. Uh-huh. That's so, good. Very kind. Yeah, that story, that second recording on our story and how God made us with that pure, perfect heart and that per- pure, perfect plan. Originally, he made us innocent. And that we have to know that about ourselves. We certainly want our kids and our parents to be able to really embrace that. That's, yeah, theology of the body. But today we're really going to kind of dive into then the fall happened, then sin, this disaster called sin happened, and the brokenness that can kind of come with that. Which is why we brought Greg and Joanne here. What is your brokenness? <laughs> just If you could just tell us... To the all whole of world. your brokenness. Let's just lay right out there. Greg, reveal all of that. We fell for it, Greg. And uh, Greg, you can start out. Actually, ladies first, Joanne, what is what is broken about you? If you just share that with the world, where do right I begin? Now, I will I... save you because we would love for y'all to start a little bit with, like, yeah, what turned you on about Tob? Why are you into this, Joanne? Would you like to go first? Um, sure. I actually had never heard of theology of the body until a dear friend who you all probably know, Lori Kamchong. Um, was teaching it here at our school, and my oldest was in middle school, and I just found myself like, Lori, tell me more. This is amazing. And so then I had an incident that um, Jack was in third grade, so Packy would have been in seventh grade, and I found myself as a parent applying it to like how I parent. And I kind of had an aha moment at the end of that day, like, oh my gosh, I handled that totally differently just with um, things that I probably already knew in my heart, but like then had the ability to like really articulate it, articulate it to my kids. So it was awesome. And I just kind of always picked Lori and Jeannie's brain about it. And then they would invite me slowly but surely to start teaching it. And it's just a beautiful, a beautiful message of, of our faith and how to live and how to love that Awesome. Well, it's been exciting seeing you embrace it and share it with your family and others and just the joy it brings your own face and your own heart. <laughs> so cool. What about you, Greg? What turns you on about T.O.B. or how'd you get started, actually? How did I get started? Uh, I mean, I, th- I was thinking about this earlier, and I mean, it, it was like five years in the making. I mean, I, I was volunteering as a uh, uh, helper uh, for Life Teen at a parish, and I was getting all the elements of it, and I didn't realize it. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I read Christopher West's um, what was it, Truth About Sex and Marriage. Mm-hmm. Good and news about all, I'm sorry, sex good news. Good news yeah. about sex and marriage. And all of a sudden, it all came together. It's like, wow, okay. I, all these tenets that were resonating with me suddenly made sense in the larger context. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, I mean, the, the things that I love about it, it just brings so much clarity to life. I mm. mean, when you understand yourself, you understand God, you understand the people around you and the context in which, you know, they, they're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, a lot of the other stuff washes away. Yeah. And, and suddenly decision-making in life becomes a lot simpler. Wow. So true. Mm-hmm. Clarity. Good. All right. Well, awesome. We're so glad that you guys are excited about Theology of the Body and can help share this message with our middle schoolers and our parents, our school families, and people at soccer games and people at Whole Foods. So, hey, <laughs> thanks and welcome aboard. Uh, so today we're going to dive into that whole sin thing, and maybe we should start with definitions, Father Adam. Like, what do you th- what is sin versus what is brokenness? Are they the same? What would you say? And so I think it's uh, where I'd like to start. It's kind of a, a looking at our last episode on that original innocence, because I think for us to understand brokenness, we have to understand what is broken. If you don't understand what it's like when it's working, then it's really hard to understand when it's broken and what it's you know what is happening there. And I've shared with you before, and there's a book I recommend to everyone here, everyone listening. Uh, the Genesis of Gender by Abigail Favalli, mm. and her chapter, if you read nothing else, there's one chapter in this book that you have to read. It's maybe 10 pages. It's called Cosmos, and I've said it is probably the best synthesis of Theology of the Body that I've ever read. In 10 pages, wow. here is Theology of the Body, and the chapter called Cosmos, <laughs> and she has this part here. Uh, says, our bodies are the visible reality through which we manifest our hidden inner life. So imagine that, like, through our bodies, this is how you see what's inner to me, this connection between body and soul. Each person's existence is entirely unrepeatable. Our unique personhood can only be made known to others through the frame of our embodiment. So uh, her, in this case Eve, her body speaks the truth of her identity, and this truth is immediately recognized by the man who is struck with joy and wonder at the revelation of the person with whom he can at last have communion. So through our body, we're meant to have this communion. Through our body, we're meant to express those in most interior things. And so here is where sin and brokenness enters into it. So we are created to be visibly made present our interior life through my body. This is how you see me. Well, what happens when sin enters? They hide away from that. So sin makes us want to keep things hidden and to take things away like everything is mine it's all about me it's all about mine let me take away and let me hide away so i don't see you as a person i see you as a body that i can use for my own personal gain which is in uh carol lativa and john paul ii in love and responsibility he actually says that the opposite of love is use so i'm using you for my Mm -hmm. own personal gain i'm taking as much as i can and on the flip side uh, I don't want to be used. I don't want you to use me. So what do I do? Again, I hide away. Like, don't use me. I'm not an object. So I'm going to use you, but I don't want to be used myself. So again, I, I hide myself away, which mm. we'll just, I, I have more to say on that, but I just want to start there. Like that idea of yeah. brokenness is the reversal of how our body is meant to be used. Rather than revealing my interior life, revealing everything and making myself to be known, mm-hmm. I hide away and I desire to pull everything towards me right. and to, to, again, not for your good and your benefit, but that way I can use it for my own personal gain. Right. I kind of looked at like sin makes us become a taker, not a giver anymore. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You kind of use those words. Yeah. But I love that. A giver, yeah. a taker rather than a giver. Yeah. yeah. And then for me, that brokenness part, 
Well, and the other thing I think is really cool is in our theology of the body, there's the scripture from 1 John chapter 2 that says, sin comes not from the Father, but from the world. So again, back to like what we talked about in the last recording, we want everybody to know that sin is not God's original plan for us. Yeah, so that's kind of what happened, you know, with that whole, it was like we had this gift at the Mm. beginning before sin, and then it was like that fullness, that Mm -hmm. total union with God was damaged by the world kind of tempting right. Adam and Eve. And then like after that, now our, we're suffering with limitations, deficiencies, yeah, becoming a taker. But I also want to kind of look at brokenness like differently. Mm. Do you see that as different? And you kind of touched on, like, like for me as a mental health counselor, I feel like brokenness is more like a feeling. Mm-hmm. A sin is, of course, because of our free will. Like we choose sin, right? But brokenness, I feel like, is when things happen like bro- to people. You, would you say that brokenness is the result of the sin? Yep. And so, when sin takes over. So it could, like sin almost like the hammer and then the brokenness is the result of that exactly. like, reality. But also I think we can feel broken without any sin. Or is that like disordered feelings, you mean? Maybe, yeah. Okay. But brokenness can ha- is can be a normal feeling, I think, when, especially for our kids, for all of us, when yeah. bad things happen, whether that's living with an abusive partner or whether that's divorce or whether that's the death of a parent mm-hmm. for a kid that can make a child feel broken. Mm-hmm. And so I've dealt with a lot of that over the years. Or when addiction can take over your life, mm-hmm. like, gosh, then you feel broken. And of course, sometimes... A lot of times, addiction is an illness, but you know there's a sin involved in that too. Turn anytime we're consciously turning away from God, don't mm-hmm. you think that's kind of like and that, what, what we teach our even our of, second graders? What is sin? It comes to mind as you brought that brokenness can happen even without sin. I go back to the garden mm-hmm. when the uh, the serpent comes to Eve and is whispering those lies into her ear. So even without the Eve world. having committed that sin yet. There is that lie that uh, that is being whispered into her ear. That comes not from God and right. really not from her. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Good point. Um, so that brokenness can happen even without that reality. Like even though I have not sinned yet, um, there can be those lies from the world, from the world, the flesh, and the devil that yep. are telling us these things um, and trying to make us believe something which is not the truth right. about our, our identity, about the rea- uh, the identity of God, about the uh, identity of another person in front of me. Um, right, and I think that's the another big message from St. John Paul is that our sin, our brokenness, is not our identity. Mm-hmm. Don't you guys want your mm-hmm. kids to know that? That if they're struggling Absolutely. with something, that's not who they are. Mm-hmm. Or even if they're struggling with same-sex attraction, or if they're struggling with, I'm, not ma- I'm making a C in math, or mm-hmm. my friends didn't invite me to this party. You know, whatever they're struggling with that makes them feel either consciously like I chose something really bad and I feel bad or just that something happened. That's not who they are, right? Mm. There's freedom in that. I mean, truly, I mean, to know that that sin is a choice and that brokenness, those feelings that we may have that could be confusing or disordered, that, you know, that doesn't define me. I mean, that is very freeing to know that I didn't choose those things. It's the moment that I then take that step, that mm-hmm. I make that choice, that I act on it, mm-hmm. whether that's in thought or physical action with my body, that choice is what actually is the sin. That for me was was like a revelation. Yeah, and that's um, what makes us different from the animals. Where yes. you know we have that ability to choose. That's in the image and likeness of God, right? That's how we were created to be able to have that mm-hmm. free choice. Yes. Yeah, I know our kids like think those the freedom to choose is kind of a a blessing and a curse, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not true freedom. It can Free, get me true in freedom trouble. is 
the ability to choose what is good, freedom mm -hmm. for excellence, not uh, freedom, what's called freedom of indifference, which is I have the ability to choose whatever I want, which uh, essentially my freedom ends where your freedom begins. But it's, in fact, it's being able to choose that, which is good to be able to choose God above all things. And when we, if you constantly choose sin, what happens? It becomes very, you start to spiral down. It becomes very difficult to choose that, which is not sin. Right. Uh, however, when we constantly choose God, then we're able to choose that, which is good. And we don't, we're not bound by these exterior things of uh addiction and things like that right. yeah, then we're, um, we, we don't let those things control us mm -hmm. we don't let our appetites control us or uh food or sex or anything like that it's like no I'm, I'm i live in this freedom to deny myself certain things for a greater good and i can grow i have to be consciously intentionally growing in the virtue of self-control mm -hmm. yeah which but athletes the ability understand. i think kids understand athletes a lot like, absolutely athletes True. have yeah. to deny themselves yeah. things all the time absolutely to grow in their sport <laughs> And uh, in the same way, a lot of kids who are athletes, they, uh, if their identity is rooted in I'm a baseball player, I'm a soccer player, I'm a basketball player, whatever it might be, and then they have a bad game, and my identity is rooted in what I do rather than who I am, and who I am is rooted in my relationship with the one who created me. So my relationship is rooted in my identity with, uh, given to me by God, not in what I do, and so if I have a bad game, that means I am a good person who had a bad game. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's mm -hmm. what it means. Right. Right. Period. Right. That's, it's not the end of my world. It's not the end of who I am. It's not the end of my identity. Right. Well, just an interesting example to, <clears throat> to play off of that. You know, my, my daughter, as she grows and she's growing very quickly, she constantly has to recalibrate. Mm. So, I mean, one game she'll score a ton of points in a basketball game. She'll grow, and then she's all off, and she's uh, got to recalibrate again. Yeah. And then she'll be back to that level again pretty quick, but she has to put in the work to then you know, mm. re refigure out where everything is because yeah. nice. I've grown an inch and a half. All right. of so. us. yeah, <laughs> cool, yeah. And, and I think that's true in our spiritual lives, that as we grow, we have to constantly recalibrate, and we have yep. to understand the new reality that we've entered into as mm. we've, yes. we've continued to grow. And especially because life throws stuff at us. Absolutely. Yeah, mm. right. I hate that growing all the time part. Kind of reminds me of pregnancy and you know, like, oh my gosh, it's just this constantly growing. <laughs> um, but I really think in our lesson of theology of the body, there's that cheese it activity that Joanne and Greg that y'all do when our team yes. does with the kids mm -hmm. that helps the kids. The idea is that there's there's we're trying to teach them the difference between. Uh, how to choose what makes you really happy and then just like this cheap imitation like sin is just like really not what's going to make you happy but it's kind of good in the moment can y'all speak a little bit to share with our listeners kind of about that activity and maybe they'd like to do that at home or maybe it'll give somebody a clear some clarity on this difference between sin and yep we yeah. did that um last month with sixth grade to introduce sin and we did exactly what you said the cheese it activity they were pretty good about picking out the real Cheez-Its. Well, tell us, tell the listeners what that really involves. So okay, they so they, get, get, it in their they get two or three off-brand, I think we did dollar store Cheez-Its, and then they get two or three of the real deal Cheez-It brand. And, of course, we don't tell them which is which, and we just ask it's a, to get them talking and kind of which they liked better and... Um, did they notice the difference? They did. did they? Mm -hmm. they did. They yeah, did? they did. But they were able to articulate, like, you know, the real cheese. It tastes better, and 
they want the real thing. Yeah. yeah cool. I, I'll just say for the boys, I mean, the boys, I'd say probably 80% of them right away. I mean, that's the real cheese. It. Um, it was interesting that the 20% that didn't get it, I think they grew up on those other brands. Mm. And that's what they thought was the real cheese. It. Wow. And how is that true for sin? Yeah. Yeah. I live mean, with sin, it kind of takes over our life, doesn't yeah. it? It kind of goes back to that, that brokenness. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, of I mean, in life, I mean, so many things that maybe you grew up with or the world has told you that that's just normal, that that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you know that until somebody Gives clearly reveals real to you what, you know, what the truth is, what the real original was? And yeah. how do you explain to someone uh, who's grown up with that, that thinks that this is normal. Yes. How do you explain something? Well, that's not the norm. That's no, of course it is. And I'm thinking of like Plato's allegory of the cave. Like, how do you get them out of the, the person leaves the cave, comes back in. There's a whole other world out there. And actually, so interesting enough, when the person comes back, what do the people in the cave do? They kill the person who left the cave right. because <laughs> they were like, no, that, there's no way there's any world outside of this cave. Like that's, this is reality. And the person tries to reveal, tell them, no, that's actually not the fullness of reality. And the people's response, to kill that person. They don't want to hear that. They want to believe this is the truth. This is all I know. So this has to be the truth. Yeah, it's really hard. That's that's brokenness, I think. I mean, Mm -hmm. helping people break out of, no, you really are not you know, a loser, like maybe people have told you, or like you, you might think that about yourself, but that is not the truth. Or you are not, yeah, you're not, you're not, you're, yeah, you're not a terrible soccer player because you missed this one goal or yeah, really getting to help kids really believe the truth, what's true mm, and right. not what the world wants to tell them or what's, even sometimes it comes from ourselves, insecurities or pride. What's both beautiful and sad for me hearing confessions of young people is a lot of times as they say their confession uh, and I always try to affirm for them what their actual identity is, making sure that they understand they are beloved sons or daughters of the Father and how the Lord created them to be this awesome, incredible person. And the amount of kids from, we'll say, you know, the earliest would be like second graders up through high schoolers, the amount of kids who start to tear up Hmm. when I start saying things like that and just like Hmm. affirming who God has created them to be, it's both beautiful and sad to me. Right. Same in our mom's group. Like, you are not an awesome mom. You are not a terrible mom because your kids don't go to bed on time, you know? Like, right. oh my gosh, they'll tear up. Like, you are, that's not who you are. You're mm. not a bad parent just because you're having this struggle. Right. Wow. Yeah. It's it's a hard issue. And our identity is so beautiful, really, if we can really claim it, embrace it, have that reverence for it, the wonder and awe. We really start with all of our theology of the body with have that sense of awe. Mm-hmm. God made you, uh, made us so beautiful. Like, it's kind of hard to grasp. You, but you, let's... You, you remind me of something. I, I had a mentor. He told me about this thing called crab theory. Have you ever heard of this? No. Yeah. So, you know, as I think about that awareness, you know, because I, I mean, I've sat in many confessions where... I get that next level of awareness, and then I start to try and live that next level of awareness out in my life, and I find people trying to pull me down. Mm-hmm. And I had a mentor once tell me, you know, after I got a promotion, he said, "Look, you know, you've got to be aware of crab theory." He said, "If you know, you have a fisherman, you know, and they're emptying their their baskets, they put all the crabs in a big cardboard box initially, 
and the crabs are really upset to be in this box. They want out, right. right? Well, finally, one of the crabs is smart enough to figure out if they jam their claw on the side of the box and start to pull themselves out, they can get out of the box. Mm. Problem is that all the other crabs see them doing that, and they attack them, and they pull them back in the box. Mm. And none of them can escape. So you know, the reality is, is that, I mean, we do that as people. I mean, yeah. that, that we pull Bring, people back down into that yeah. box yeah. Um, when we're trying to go towards that new truth that we've right. learned. Grasping for something that yeah. Yeah, seems like freedom, but yeah. Well, yeah. let's shift to some student questions. You want to? But one, oh, well, sorry, one last thought? thing. Because sure. we talked about sin and brokenness, and I, we've talked a lot about uh, how it's this um, the theft, uh, like uh, taking... And hiding oneself away. And I realized, and I was reflecting on this, that reconciliation is the opposite of making oneself known and bringing things out into the light and stepping out of the darkness. Yeah. Um, reconciliation I, is the opposite of that? No, that's what I'm saying reconciliation is. So sin yeah. is what's keeping us hidden, right. keeping us, uh, you know, uh, taking and all that. Reconciliation is the opposite of that, which oh, right. is brings stepping into the light, yeah. which brings us out and stepping into the light. And I think that's what's so important about us being able to recognize that we are sinners among sinners, that we are all struggling. That way we cannot be those crabs who are pulling that one yeah. crab down. Yeah. Because what, a what, gift. what yeah. happens so often, and I think why, like you mentioned this mom's group, how they feel so terrible when, oh my gosh, my kids don't go to sleep perfectly like everyone else's kids because everyone else's kids they all go to sleep right at 8 8 p.m <laughs> and they're all you know and they're all kneeling beside their bed saying their <laughs> prayers and it's just perfect wonderful they I all brush their teeth yeah on instagram i saw a mom and she Buzz. posted their family rosary and she did a, a time lapse and it was beautiful she has like five kids and you just saw kids whizzing around her the entire time <laughs> as they were doing a family rosary, quote unquote. But it was beautiful. And I was mm -hmm. like, thank you for sharing this because... What it really looks like. Right. right. It's not ever, all the kids, you know, hands folded, looking very prayerful, you know, deeply meditating on every decade of the rosary. No, it was chaos and it was beautiful. <laughs> like that... Joanne, yeah, I think... Something. Well, I think it reminds me too that, I mean, even as an adult, I need to be reminded that other people have struggles, you know, none of us are perfect, but the kids too, like this, you know, the sin, it, it, it does trick us, but we're all guilty of it. And some of them just, you can see them almost shameful about it. And to your point of reconciliation, that's what's beautiful about our faith. And I, I hope that they are encouraged, you know, with our, with us during yeah. their sessions and also just in their family life that that's, that's mm -hmm. the beautiful part about it is that there is a healing mm -hmm. and there's away. gifts in our faith. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I they, hope. Don't need, they don't need to hide away. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, here, let's shift to a student question real quick. We um, have a question from some of our, this is actually from a sixth grader and it's, and uh, so everybody kind of jump in and share what you might. Uh, this is the real fun, okay? Like, kind of off the cuff. Here's okay. an answer. Did God give us free will because he trusts us? Mm. Because he loves us. Oh, nice. So love can only be given freely. If it was forced, then we could not be love. So if we did not have free will, then we could actually not return and respond in love to God. We would be forced to respond to God, which is really more of a more of a slave than yeah. uh, God calls us no longer slaves yeah. but friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And that's an entirely different relationship. Right. Master-slave mm-hmm. versus, you know, friend or brother. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Beloved. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What would you say, Greg? Did God give us free will because he trusts us? God is love. I mean, uh, that in and of itself. I mean, he doesn't know anything else to do. I, well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, he's the God of the universe. He has, you know, all knowledge and wisdom and everything. But um, that's his very essence. But does he want us to choose bad things? He, why did he give us the ability to choose? Is what I think this kid's really probably mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Once again, back to what Father Adam said. I mean, you have to to be able to freely give back. Yes. And then also freely receive. Love it has to be gift. both sides. Yeah. And that's right. that's the the difficult part of recognizing those decisions, you know, in the day to day. Right. Um, because it's so easy to believe that we don't have a choice. And so, and who likes an obligatory gift? I mean, like, I never right. like it when somebody no. has to, like, you know, give me a hug on purpose or whatever, you know, like, that feels like pity as opposed to a freely given mm-hmm. gesture of love or kindness. Well, and to that point, yeah, I mean, to that point, I mean, to get a totally unexpected gift. I mean, you expect a gift on your birthday, you expect a Christmas gift, but when somebody comes out and gives you something that is truly from the heart because you did something that meant something to them and they want to give back, those are the gifts that always mean the most. Yeah, and those are the gifts that are really holy. Yeah. yeah. All right, how about Joanne, this one? Wait, Joanne, Joanne, do you have, do you have something else? a thought on that? Oh, no, I was just, what you all said. <laughs> Ditto, you moving covered, on. covered it all. All right, Joanne, here's a good one. If we have a busy schedule and can't go to Mass, how can we heal our brokenness? That is a good one. Yeah, what do you think about that? Um, well, we all have a busy schedule sometimes, and we all feel like, well, man, I need more healing, <laughs> probably. I do anyway. I need more mass, more healing. I but think I'm gonna, I, good. Oh. I'm going to take some pressure off and you yeah. can keep well, thinking. I've got something on that. Go for I mean, it. For me, that's priorities. I mean, Right. I was going to say that, but I don't want it to sound. Well, no. I, I mean. But Joanne, so here, okay, this is a perfect point. So if you were sick and you were bleeding out, would you say, but I really have this other thing that's important, so I should not go to the hospital to get healed. You'd be like, right. no, I'm hurting. She's a I'm nurse. Bleeding. She would say that. Yeah. <laughs> you would be like, no, we have to get, you know, we need medicine. We need whatever it right. is that's going to stop this. Well, I definitely think there's situations. But could can we even live without God? No. No. So how could we not come back to God? I mean... That's such a great point. But a, okay, I've got a baseball game. Great. Is your baseball game bringing salvation? No. Right. And you mean to tell, and I, okay, I worked in restaurants 60 plus hours a week, crazy schedule, nights, weekends, all the things. And there was times the only mass I could get to was a 7 a.m. Sunday mass. And at some random church I'd never been to before. And that's where I had to go. And I knew, so Easter Sunday, I would have to go to the sunrise mass. Uh, it was beautiful, Our Lady of Florida, on the intercoastal. It was gorgeous. It was like 6.30 a.m. Friday, I worked a 14-hour shift. Saturday, I worked a 14-hour shift. And I was about to like wake up crazy early in the morning to get to this sunrise mass on the intercoastal because that was the only mass time I could get to on Easter and then work another 12-hour shift. I had to do it because that was the only way I could get to mass for Easter. If you really care and love about something, how many people are waking up at four o'clock in the morning to drive three hours to go to some tournament soccer game and you're making a full day out of it, yet they can't Google and find 
And where is a Catholic church near us? I remember I had an experience when my brother was in middle school, and so I would have been in high school, and he was playing baseball, and it was a good Friday, and they were in a tournament. And he, my mom would not let him leave to go to this tournament. And the coach comes to our door at our house, knocks on the door in his oh uniform, like, You're, we need Johnny at this baseball game. Like, you know, we, he needs to come with me in the car. And my mom was like, he is not going to this baseball game. It is Good Friday. We are going to Mass. And you are Catholic, and you need to be going to Mass. Yeah. She said that to Coach Ralph. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. I think we just have to be bold. We have to, mm-hmm. like, yeah, priorities. We have to and just do it. This whole episode on sin and brokenness, I think it's important to, if we don't recognize, I would rather go to this insert, we're using sports radio, so insert soccer game. I would Mm -hmm. rather go to this soccer game and wake up early and do all that and not go to mass. I need to recognize, wow, that's not right. Right. What do you My heart is in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. Lord, like that's the healing that I need because right now I don't desire to go to mass. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that because I have these other things God, I need you to heal that in me. And if we just say, well, it's not important, and we refuse to recognize that mass is a priority, and we just uh, rationalize it away and say, no, it'll be okay, mm-hmm. it, that becomes an issue. We have to recognize, Huge. no, the church, out of my pride, like it's not about me, the church and God rec- says that I need to do this, and somehow I don't want this. God, heal this in me. Mm-hmm. Because right now I really just, and to say, God, right now I don't desire that. Make me desire this because I am broken and I don't desire this. If we're in, if we just refuse to even say that and recognize how we're broken, well, of course the Lord's not going to heal that. We right. have to have that openness. Right. Yeah. If you don't have that openness, I mean, that he can't come into that mm-hmm. space. Um, it's, yeah. it's that, that image of the, you know, Christ knocking on the door, but you've got to open the door to let him in. Mm. Um, yeah. And just thinking about, I mean, once again, God is, God is love. And uh, I mean, the concept, I think it was Scott Hahn, um, revealed to me is that if for any time at any point in time that God stopped loving me, I would just cease to exist. Mm-hmm. And that reality, it's like, well, I have to make that a priority. I mean, he holds everything in his hand, yeah. <clears throat> despite you know, the, the freedom that I think that I have, I mean, he really does hold everything in his hand, and yet he gives me the freedom to walk away from him. Mm-hmm. So I just have to choose not to. Because, mm-hmm. of course, he wants it so much better if we choose him and right. love, yeah. Absolutely. Well, join me with this closing prayer. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy, have mercy on, on us. us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. And then the Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us us peace. peace. I love that part. Thank you all for joining us today. I look forward to the next one. Thanks, Joanne. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Father Adam. We miss you, Peyton. Bye, everyone. (laughs) Yeah.